0: Bits, a brief podcast before the M&A and Tech Conference in Berlin. Welcome to Tech Law Bits, a podcast just before a great event of the International Bar Association to be held in the Ritz-Carlton here in Berlin. This is the sixth M&A in the technology sector conference to be held next week on March 23 and 24. My name is Martin Schoenbacher. I'm a tech and data lawyer in Berlin. And with me today are Laura Zifferman from uh, Vilnius, Lithuania. Hello, Laura. Hello. And Hans Henninghoff from the Hamburg office of uh, fellow German firm Heiking. Uh Good day, Hans. Hello, good morning, Before we come to our topic uh, today, Laura, can you please briefly let the listeners know um, who you are uh, and introduce yourselves?
1: Hello, so I'm Laura Zifferman and I'm heading uh, the regulatory and commercial practice within our firm in Wallace. Uh, And I have uh, more than 16 years of experience in antitrust uh, and TMT. And uh, uh, I also do a lot of with uh, public procurements and, and PPPs. And uh, it's my first time moderating this discussion. And I take this as a uh, triple responsibility, I would say, uh, to make it uh,
2: very interesting and uh, insightful.
0: Great. And and Hans, what about you?
2: Yeah, my name is Hans-Hering I work at hocking Künder Wodek. Wrong name, but usually we just say Hocking. And I work as a corporate lawyer in transactions mostly, very often cross-border. And this is also the reason why... I came up with this topic for the uh, conference because I really see everyone knows about the topic, but how to structure that into the process of an MNA This is something you see very, very different approaches to that, and therefore we thought we could just discuss it on a level with colleagues with international experience to get a little bit more insight into how we can really do it properly according to
0: German law excellent I like, I like that approach about and, and and I think that really is what the roundtable sessions are all about that we have a feeling we know a little bit um but you don't know everything obviously and it always it's always good and a good session to actually get started and to get some more knowledge and and to hear from other colleagues uh, from well all over the world really to um on that particular topic to learn. Um, So you, dear listeners, uh, if you have heard earlier episodes of this, you know the drill. There will be um, two sessions with roundtable discussions and 19 tables to choose from. The goal of these interviews is to give attendees of the conference a taste um, of what to expect of each of the roundtables. The topic um, of the two of you, you will be uh, discussing this together with Tim Rea of CMS, I understand correctly, and then discuss this with colleagues um, um, together, it's basically, you're, uh, talking about a competition law issue. It is on exchange of information during trans- transactions, and maybe I, uh, let you and everybody else explain, uh, what the topic, um, is about and where the legal issues lie.
1: Okay. So, um, actually there are many, uh, M&A activities recently and, uh, during the recent years, uh, and often, actually, it's uh, uh, exchange of information is applied too strictly or it is forget about, uh, everybody is forgetting about it. So, so it's either like one extreme or the other. So we want uh, the whole purpose of uh, this discussion is uh, to raise the awareness uh, when the exchange of information might be sensitive. Uh, when uh, uh, we need to implement certain limitations of exchange uh, and uh, share basically the best practices, how to do it. So that's the main purpose of our discussion. And that involves uh, a number of topics. And uh, maybe, Hans, you can uh, develop it even in more detail.
2: Yes, thank you, Laura. Well, the idea to talk about this with colleagues and also to participate from their experiences, like Laura said, at what stage can you disclose what information about the target? And it doesn't even have to be outright sale of 100%. It can even be a contractual joint venture, other joint venture, other forms of cooperation. Always, if two people or two enterprises being in the same market, they have to be very aware of what they share at which level of Uh, discussing the future cooperation or sale. And therefore, just to add, um, we really have been very often discussing with colleagues and much more with the client what you can disclose at what stage in order to be on the safe side competition-wise.
0: Right. You mentioned competition law, and I think uh, uh, we all have a feeling that you have to be careful but where where does the need to be careful come from uh, to go one step back basically what's the what's the problem if disc, uh, um, disclosing too much information
1: actually uh, exchange of information unlawful exchange of information is treated as cartel activities so uh, it this uh, Find in the same way as, as as conclusion of cartel and and that is pretty serious for example in lithuania it came up it may came, came up to uh um, 10% of uh, turnover uh fines so this is uh, a serious matter and uh, this is particularly i would say important in cases when uh, the deal doesn't go through and uh it's uh, and, and and the parties separate so um then the competition authority you know uh, doesn't have really a chance to intervene but they know that uh they, the competitors exchange a lot of information which might affect their future strategic strategic decisions so so that's um, that's why it is important to talk but uh, anyhow i would really love to also understand from the participants of our panel how often those fines are applied because at least in our restrictions, it's a very rare occasion. So it would be really interesting to know whether it is a real risk, you know, uh, or or it is just okay to be on compliance side uh, matter. Yeah.
2: Just to add from a corporate side, I think the risk is always there. But the interesting part is that even if you know that you are not allowed to agree on prices to, to your customers with competitors in the light of a potential joint venture or sale, just a sale. If you say, I want to dispose of the old, whole business, if you disclose, for example, margins or some other critical parts of your calculation to interested parties that may be partly active in the same market, then you have a problem. And that could be exactly the same as like the a conventional cartel that everyone knows about. And this is so tricky because this is, first, to detect from our side, for me as a corporate lawyer, very difficult. Therefore, I have to rely on experts like Laura and Tim Rehr, who will be joining us as well next week. And secondly, then also raise awareness with the client and scrutinize on everything that they wish to disclose. can be even a teaser or information memorandum. And then you really sometimes have to send back heavily redacted exemplars of what has been produced by the financial advisors through the entire preparation process. And that's very, very disappointing for some parts because um, so much work has been put into this. So much has been discussed how to present the company in the best possible way. And then probably everything that makes the competitive edge of what you want to sell is really redacted. You cannot tell about it. And This is really rare, very, very difficult sometimes to get the message across to the client, also to the other advisors. And how
0: and how would you even try to solve this? I mean, the problem is on the table now. I, even I have understood where the where the issues are. It's like um, obviously, you know, if, especially if the deal doesn't go through, you don't want and you must not, uh, you know, discuss all these issues, including pricing uh, or strategic. Uh, you know, developments in the future. Um, But as a buyer, you do want to know, you know, how to evaluate, uh, uh, you know, the target and how to, uh, whether or not their strategy makes sense or not. So how do you, very high level, you will go into more detail, Laura, how do you solve this?
1: You usually, of course, sign the NDAs agreements, uh, but also there is a possibility to set up the clean team that is, uh, I would say, a standard solutions uh, for 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 basically securing the the minimal extent and what is really necessary for the transaction to proceed. Uh, but again, I would really love to know and and, uh, and discuss with the participants what other tools they are using, because as I said, these these two are, are standard tools. Everybody is, uses them, sometimes in the right way, sometimes even in in in, in, the, in the wrong way. When, for example, uh there is not even an issue of of cartel breach when uh, the companies uh under merging companies are not even competitors but the lawyers uh, already are setting up the clean teams and everything which again hinders the speed of the transaction uh so i would re- really i am really keen to to learn uh what other tools uh, people are using uh for to ensure uh the the legality of of the exchange
2: Yes, and Laura, probably you can also explain a little more what a clean team means, because we have been mentioning that quite a number of times now. And there's also different approaches to that. How you can like uh, link that to the decision making management of of the client and so on. Like how, how can you structure this?
1: I think there is an um, yeah. Uh, uh, thank you, Hans, for clarifying it. Uh, I think there is no way, uh, or like no right uh method how to to uh create and, and establish this clean team some say that uh there should be no decision makers uh uh in in the clean team uh some say that it could be so but generally as a rule of thumb i would say that uh, uh any people uh, clean team is, is is a team of people who are not uh, making uh, the decisive uh, uh, who are not taking the decisive role in the companies uh, but at the same time have the knowledge and expertise and competence uh, to basically understand what is uh, the, the findings of the d- diligence and what what uh, it might affect uh, uh, the, the transaction as a whole. So
0: yeah. And the idea to jump in there, the idea would be um, um, that only these teams know this information, have a proper evaluation, and basically d- delete and forget the information or don't aggregate with information.
1: Uh, mm-hmm.
0: Yeah, aggregate Mid- month, uh, um mm-hmm. Right, and and then and then basically, um, if the transaction doesn't uh, play out, that they then just dispose of it and don't make use of it, and that you could then present to the. Uh, cartel authorities, uh, um, Hey, yes, we did exchange information, but we made sure that this is no longer within the, uh, decision makers, uh, uh heads or whatever is th- that's the idea. Yeah, that's correct. Okay um great one one uh, two more questions really um one would be do you from the from your experience and the deals you see is there something special um about exchange of information in the technology sector that is different from others Laura maybe you start is that is that something different in uh, do you see specialities in technology sector i
2: uh,
1: i think uh, that there is uh in terms of that, that uh, um the information and accessibility to information has more value in those deals. I mean that it is important. It is much more important for the evaluation of the company itself Uh, rather than it is like traditional businesses, which, you know, uh, you can take the historical data and then then uh, predict uh, what would and forecast what will be the value in the future. So in those companies digital companies uh, where everything is very recent and you might not even have the historic data or you don't have that much uh, of uh, i would say specific data um then you are relying basically on the current data which again makes it very very uh sensitive and uh very sensitive to share basically so i would say that uh, uh, it makes even more complicated, uh, and and the border lines are even more grey than than in normal uh, transactions.
2: Definitely.
0: Okay. Yeah, it makes absolute sense that that you know, even, even I, I can, you know, in a software context, I could even think about uh, like code reviews that are being performed as a competition law issue as well. Uh, like how, how do they do this? Do they exchange information? Is that crucial? Um, and, and pricing obviously is different in a ZAS context than if you sell, uh, uh, you know, whatever manufactured goods um, and are required. I
1: would like just to add actually, as, and even uh this is even more complicated when we are talking about like technology companies which are regulated, for example, fintechs. And uh, then, uh, for example, the closing might take a very long period of time. Like, uh, and uh, the merger clearance may may come up like in the middle of of, of the closing period, and uh, that raises difficulties whether I can actually give a lot of information to the to the other regulatory authority. Which is demanding for for the uh, that information for issuing their consent. So it is, uh, I would say, very again uh, not uh, the the standard and traditional merger control rules uh, doesn't really reflect this uh, uh, this new reality uh, of digital ages, technology companies, and uh, and the speed. Uh, during which we we would like to make the transaction because now it it depends if we wait for example for the merger clearance and only then go to the financial regulatory authority then the closing might take up additional to uh, half a year or even more so that is really important. We'll see I if, the,
0: if regulators are at your table to as uh, to to help to speed things up makes sense. Um, yeah, speaking of your table, last question I ask everybody. Um, um, why would people join your table um, and maybe Hans, you want to start uh, on uh, in, in the early mornings of uh, next Thursday and Friday?
2: I think it can be very interesting just to hear different approaches. And sometimes you also hear, uh, just get a new idea or get, get confirmation of, of your practice, how you currently do things. And I think in, in, in this respect, regarding at what stage in a structure process you can share what with which party in order to really make the deal possible for everyone, but not jeopardizing everything by violating... A competition law. This is like what is really interesting to discuss with colleagues. And I'm really looking forward to meet as many as possible from participants of the conference just to hear their view on it. Because I think I'm as a transactional lawyer, not really expert in on this, but of course you have experience just through your deals. And this is just so helpful just to discuss with colleagues and just Probably also form an co- opinion because Laura rightly said, the regulator has not really stepped in. There hasn't been many fines on this. For example, sharing information to early gun jumping before you get like the green light and so on. And therefore, I think it's really interesting and worthwhile really just to have a chat with colleagues and see how they do things and what may be different, what you could think about in your next transaction.
0: Absolutely. I think that was a great pitch, but Laura, do you want to add one or two things?
1: Uh, I would say that also looking at the, the other topics uh, of, of, of the discussions, I would say it's the only uh, topic about the competition. We also have uh, on merger uh, control, but, uh, but this is pure competition in a traditional way and how it's applied to, to a new era, I would say. So that's one reason. And the other I would say that our really focus is to share the experience, so and to know more and and to get more than and then be brighter than we started the than we were when we started the discussion. So, I think uh, openness and and sharing
0: of, of of knowledge is is the key of, of our discussion. Absolutely, great great point, Laura. Uh, I have participated in roundtables at annual conferences and and uh, a specialist conference of the Iba for many many years and I think I I, I do appreciate the openness in that small round with only 10 12 uh, colleagues where you can actually you know test waters a little uh, instead which you might not want to do on, on a panel in front of 350 people where you don't know who's there so so I guess that is indeed one um, of the great advantages, especially in this competitive field as M&A, uh and and uh, do's and don'ts. Um, well, everybody, if you like what you heard, um, you still have until the end of this week to register online. Um, details can be found, as always, in the show notes. Um, thank you, uh, Loras. Thank you, Hans, for joining me here uh, this, this uh, early morning. And I'm looking forward to seeing you next week um, in Berlin, just as everybody else. Thank, thank you, and bye bye.
1: Thank you, bye bye.
2: See you in Berlin.
0: Bits.